the Visionary Podcast, sponsored by Alchemy. I'm Jim Roos. This exciting podcast series shines a light on financial institutions at the cutting edge of digital banking transformation, providing you with the tips and tricks to elevate your digital game. Our guests are competing with the biggest financial players in the marketplace by embracing their digital vision at speed and at scale. At a time when almost all financial institutions look and act the same, it is more important than ever to create brand differentiation through innovative products, a commitment to the community, and then culture that impacts employees, members, and the community at large. Founded in 1940 with a school teacher shoebox and a handwritten ledger, IQ Credit Union has never forgotten its roots growing relationships through empathy and a commitment to financial wellness education. My guest on the Fisheries podcast is Jordan Lehrman, Chief Technology Officer at IQ Credit Union, a $2 billion asset finance institution serving the Pacific Northwest. You know, despite the pandemic and continued economic uncertainty and even a highly competitive financial marketplace, IQ Credit Union has achieved exceptional growth in both members and assets. So, Jordan, you have a rather diverse career uh, with the last seven years, if I'm not mistaken, being in the credit union space. Can you share a little bit with our audience about your journey and how you ended up at IQCU? It's funny. I can tell you that I never intended to end up in the credit union space. In fact, I uh, certainly never intended to end up in technology, but... Um, that's just the way your career and decisions take you. Uh, I actually started out working for um, what was a pretty small consulting firm at the time, West Monroe Partners. They're, uh, boy, they're several thousand employees now. They were probably 700 when I started doing M&A consulting and then change management for uh, Salesforce projects. And after I did that for a few years, I ended up taking a job at Celerity Credit Union, about a $750 million credit union in my hometown that I grew up in as a project manager. And um, I thought I was just going to manage projects, but I was very, very quickly surprised. Probably three months in, the, the executive team learned that I had background in organizational restructuring and restructuring technology teams. And we were having some issues at the time with the technology team. So they, they asked me to build a team for delivery. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. That's a quick project we can, <laughs> quick project we can take on. <laughs> and so I um, moved the team to sprints, uh, reorganized, built out business analyst roles, all, all the fun things that you get to do. And um, when that project came to a close, all of a sudden I was at lunch with the CIO and he said, you know, I'm only gonna give you an opportunity once and you can, you can say yes or no, but it's the only opportunity you get. And he asked me to leave the team. And so I quickly became the technology guy and, and it, you know, we were small, which meant we get to be scrappy. So every month there, were, there was something new that we were taking on and we had this awesome digital strategy and we were playing with the big boys with the technology. So it started with, we want to create a strategy of APIs everywhere. So we did MuleSoft pre Salesforce acquisition of MuleSoft and we built boy, probably 50 to 75 uh, different APIs across systems, process, and experience. Wow. It was, well, that, I mean, that was in the first year. And then it was, okay, well, we need to do this member 360. So we delivered Salesforce. We delivered Salesforce in three months, which was, don't recommend that to anyone, but that, that was <laughs> Salesforce 
for three quarters of the organization where 90% of their job could happen inside of Salesforce. And so we, we delivered that uh, utilizing MuleSoft. And then it was okay, well, we took care of that. Now we need to take care of the data center. So we moved everything out to AWS. So very rapid uh, transformations that you could do quickly because we were such a small credit union. And then one day IQ approached me and um, they had a pretty cool opportunity for me to, to lead the technology team. And I, I wasn't looking to go anywhere, but I was so impressed with the brand and the way that IQ showed up in the community. I mean, I'm not wearing plaid because I because it's Friday, I can wear plaid. I mean, plaid is the, the foundation of, of IQ's brand in the Pacific Northwest. And so, you know, I had a ton of fun at Celerity, but I was ready to try this new challenge. IQ had just won number one credit union by Forbes in Washington State at the time. It was it was time to, to spend some more money. Yeah, it's, a, it's a cool story of growth through experience and, and somewhat trial by fire, which you're able to do at a small organization. You know, when you joined IQCU, what did the organization already have right? And what were you hoping to bring to the table from a perspective of improvement? I'll always go back to IQ had an incredible brand, especially for the Pacific Northwest. It attracts a younger demographic than, than most credit unions get to attract. So the plaid, you know, we all have sweatshirts and socks and debit cards that have Sasquatch riding a unicorn. That's just, that's who IQ is. Um, IQ had also made some really good investments in technology. We had been live on Alchemy for a little over a year. When I joined Alchemy, launched uh, two days after the state shut down for COVID. We had the right network. We had good software that had been built in-house, but there certainly were opportunities. You know, IQ had never actually had a technical executive before. Um, like many credit unions, technology just bounced around from executive to executive to executive. And so when I joined, my goal was to focus on, on a couple of things. The first and most important was IQ didn't have a data warehouse. And, and I know there's a lot of smaller credit unions that still don't have data warehouses. That was going to be a really big problem for us. So we not only found a data warehouse, we actually invested in the company Archalytics, joined the CUSA, joined the board. And we now have, as of last month, a data warehouse with seven source systems. And we're making decisions off of that. We had a lot of custom built software, but it had been built over the last 15 years out of necessity. So we had to restructure that. We're still modernizing that. That doesn't happen um, from the ground up. But we had to restructure that team. We had to build it in a way that was, you know, we deliver every two months, no matter what we can, we can miss scope, but we can't miss the delivery. We need business analysts. We need sprints. We need reusable micro services, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, lots of reorganization with the goal of we deliver everything through APIs and we make it accessible to our members. You know, it's interesting because we talked about it a little bit before we started the, the podcast itself. But, you know, it's, it seems like the foundation, the important components were there. Leadership, commitment, investment, a history of, of doing the right things. You just came on board at the right time to take it to the next level. So speaking of the next level, as I mentioned at the in the introduction, IQ Credit Union has achieved some impressive growth over the last several years. What do you attribute this growth to 
And can this level of growth continue? Yeah. So IQ has doubled over the last five years. We, we hit $2 billion at the end of December. We had an awesome, awesome December. I'd be lying if I didn't say that some of that came from stimulus. It just, it did. You don't do 20, 30% growth in a year without government. Well, you can, but we did it and it was primarily with government stimulus. But if I look at, if I look at 2022, 2022 was a very, very difficult year to grow, especially towards the end of the year. And we still, we came out growing, it was like 9.8% last year in deposits with a 10% membership growth. There's, there's a few things that I attribute this growth to. The first is that we had the right technology to help us grow. We had the right account opening software. We had the right internal technology to allow our staff to quickly onboard members. And we had a digital solution that our members, they not only know how to use, but they actively, actively use it. We are also really lucky that we had the, we had the financial strength to allow us to grow in an upright environment. Our ROA is incredibly incredibly strong for what interest rates are doing right now. Our loan to share ratio is right where we need it. And even though we've invested in some expensive technology, our efficiency ratio is, you know, the the high fifties right now, which is wow. just great for okay. us. Yeah. Those are kind of the fundamentals. Ultimately why IQ grew is because we have a brand that resonates with our target market. You know, we are actively, like most, uh, looking to attract younger members. And I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a couple of fun stats since I've got a data warehouse I can pull them from now. 49% of IQ's membership is under the age of 39. That's unheard of in the credit union space. Yeah, it, it's unless, crazy. Unless it's a, I, and I would say Navy Federal or, or sure. Boeing, you know, credit union because it's work related more than anything else. But that's insane. That's yeah. great. And so like the millennials, which they, they go a little bit above 39, but millennials, that's 27% of our membership. Gen Z, that's 21% of our membership. And even the deposits and the loans, you know, they don't have 50% of the deposits, but they got 24% of the deposits, 33% of the loans. I mean, the future generation, they're the ones that are, that are rapidly joining the credit union. And now, and there's, there's a few reasons for that. Part of it is IQ, we believe in inclusion. It's part of our operating principle. And we invest very heavily in that. And that shows up in how our employees are at work. That shows up with, shoot, how we allow our employees to dress. They can wear their plaid. They can wear their jeans in the branch. We don't really care as long as they deliver an awesome experience to the members. It's interesting though, Jordan, you, you, you mentioned about the stimulus and a lot of organizations saw a bump due to the stimulus. But when they looked at the numbers in a couple months from that, a lot of the stimulus went away because people made transfers to SoFi, made transfers to, to Chime, to other organizations that are fintech firms. It appears, based on the numbers I'm seeing, that people didn't do that with you, which means that you're answering the questions that alternative financial providers are answering but you're doing it within your organization. The people aren't transferring out once they get those deposits. 
that's significant. That is not the same as every institution in the business. You know, you keep on referencing it, and, and I'm not sure how much you take it for granted, even though you've only been there for a little bit more than a year and a half. But, you know, despite your organization's modest size, it is clear there's a strong commitment to innovation and leveraging third-party partners. How do you get that as part of the overall culture, and how do you keep on doubling down on that mentality? Have you have you played with chat uh, PGP at all? Yes, I have. In fact, I did an interview about the future of banking with chat GPT. So basically the entire interview, such as we're doing right now, was with a chatbot. I asked it a question last night. I, I couldn't. I mean, I've been asking lots of questions. Like, tell me, what, what does Gen Z want in a banking partner? I was curious. And it, I mean, there, there's many answers at once. Someone that's inclusive, wants someone that gives back to, to its employees, it gives back to the community. But it, it tied into, it wants someone that, that makes, it, makes it easy and has the technology to do whatever they need to do. And what we know at IQ, when we have developers, we have a staff of developers, we can't do it all on our own. And we would be silly to try to do it all on our own. And so when we are looking at finding new vendors to partner with, we are always looking for someone that's going to provide that next great digital experience to our members. You know, Alchemy is probably our largest investment that we have in terms of forward-facing technology. And what we like about Alchemy is it can be whatever we want it to be. We can deliver whatever experience we need to deliver to the member, and we can write APIs to it to deliver experiences if there isn't software available to do that. And we can use our own software to do that. So within Alchemy, we can do, you can easily wire your money. You can transfer your money across bank accounts. You can see your budget. You can you can see your credit score, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that we know that um, our members want to be able to do without having to call in or, or visit us at a, at a branch. And so that's why we're committed to investing in these companies. And, and we're taking it a step further. We're also committed to getting a seat at the table, whether it's joining a client advisory board, whether it's actually investing in a CUSA or Washington State. We have a really, really great credit union um, charter. We can also invest in fintechs now. And so we have a goal of one new fintech or QSO a year, we will invest in an IQ so we have a seat at the table so we can bring better technology and experiences to our members. You know, since that leads me to my next question, I guess, which is I know it's important to make sure that your outside partners see things the way you do, but how do you align the cultures of your third party partners and IQ? Because it is very clear. You, you keep on mentioning the plaid, the blue jeans, the, and it's more than just the visual impact. It's really the mentality about how laid back but committed to technology you are. How do you make sure that third-party providers align with your culture? If you go with the, the outward culture of inclusivity, it starts with we want to make sure that these partners are actually giving back in their community. Well, that's not a definitive they have to do it. It, it is certainly something that we take into consideration when investing in them. When you look at it from a technical perspective, I won't buy software unless it has an API. And that API has been provided to a developer in a sandbox, and they've actually developed against that API. 
because um, what that tells me is that this company, they fit our strategy and they want to allow our members to interact with them through a single one IQ is what I call the one IQ channel, that one digital channel. So do they have an API? That is the most important thing to me. And if that API can be external for our members as well as internal within our CRM. You know, it's interesting. A lot of companies talk about culture and building a good culture within the financial institution, but talking and doing are, are far different. How does IQ Credit Union communicate the culture to new and existing employees? And how do you continually evolve that cultural thought to take on new elements that we're seeing in the banking industry? We'll start with IQ's operating principles. You know, it's easy to write those and put them on a piece of paper and hand it to every employee, but we, we really live them out. Collaborative, approachable, joyful, exceptional, and inclusive. And those operating principles, they start at the interview and they continue into their first two weeks of training. It doesn't matter who you are as an employee, even if you're an executive, everyone goes through the first the same set of training at the beginning to be fully immersed into the culture of IQ, into why we do what we do, who we are, how we show up in the community, and why we care so much about our members. And, and that's the starting point. And then when you look at it, um, what happens after training, you know, immediately after training, they meet with the entire executive team for an hour and ask any question they want. They get monthly forums with an executive to ask questions and hear about how the bank, the credit union is performing and how we're giving back to the community. We have someone who their entire job is internal communications and they help make sure that all of the messaging is right in, inside of our uh, delivery channels for employees. If you look externally, we also prove that we live out this culture. So if we're asked to sponsor an event, we're very exclusive in, in the types of events that we want to sponsor because we know that if we're sponsoring a check, we want it to be something that matters to our members and we want to show up in force. We're not just writing checks, we're showing up with the full force of IQ and many, many staff members. So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsor of this podcast, Alchemy Technologies. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Welcome back to the Fissionaries Podcast, sponsored by Alchemy Technology. I get the feeling, because it's not been that long, I guess, since I've been with a big corporation, to get that commitment, you can't force it. People have got to really enjoy it. The work days when you're you're helping build houses or update houses or or working on any community event, you can only force so many people to show up, and then it works against you. 
but when people want to be there, um, obviously the community sees it. And it's interesting because I'm thinking about the visual element of, of your brand. That becomes very clear that in the marketplace, you can pick out your employees, which is a pretty cool thing, too. Well, and, and you know what IQ is there. I, I thought they were joking when I interviewed. There's literally an old food truck that is wrapped in plaid. It's called the plaid wagon. It's covered in sound bars and it is at the events blasting music and employees are having fun. And you know, we're at the farmer's market and the plaid wagon's there and we're all about financial education. So kids get to come up, play games, learn about budgeting and then get tokens to go purchase fruits and vegetables. Like, that was my children's first experience with IQ before I started here. <laughs> and they're probably thinking, finally, dad's working for a fun company. Not exactly. to say anything about your previous employers, but it's a different environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we have the challenge in the industry right now of people working remotely. How do you communicate and how do you live that culture with people that are not connected with other employees, except in ways like we're doing right now. And and how does that transcend with work and people that work remote? Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it was easy. Cultures have changed and they've evolved since remote work has become so much more prevalent with COVID. And you know, we've made the very purposeful decision that we're not forcing staff to come back. And we'll continue to hire in different states and then we're chartered in. It starts with the simple things. Everyone has plaid. Oh, there's so much plaid and unicorn and Sasquatch gear floating around out there. You know, I would say that while IQ has its culture as a whole, every team also has their own subculture. The development team has a very, very different culture than the marketing team than the security team and the network team, and that's okay. But they all live out the values of IQ, and they all truly care about delivering what's right to the member. We have different clubs that are fully inclusive to be to meet externally. We've got a wellness committee. They've got virtual yoga coming up soon. There's a book club. They did, what was it, D&D &D with the CEO a few weeks ago. Or might not have been D&D, &D, some game like that. So lots of elements to try and bring the whole credit union together into that culture. For remote staff, we also bring them on site at least once a year so they get to be fully ingrained in the culture and spend time with each other and spend time with the branch. Like for our developers, they need to spend time with the branch and understand how people work with their software. And, and that goes a really long ways. Well, it's interesting. In doing some research, I realized, you know, while you sound like you're a brand new credit union, the reality is you were established in the 1940s, if I'm not mistaken, by an educator that started with a shoebox of money and and, uh, and a ledger. So you, you've been in the educational field and supporting the educational community, but you also support in a very proactive way, the education of employees and your community with regard to financial wellness. Can you explain a little bit about this mission? Our goal at IQ is to help promote financial literacy and financial wellness for our members, no matter what stage of life that they are in. And that starts with youth whether it is we're in, in their classrooms, teachers are inviting us into their classrooms to teach um, kindergartners about what it means to have a dollar and what it means to budget, to yesterday we had something called the financial reality fair where our CEO and many other members of the staff 
we're spending four hours with high school students running through what it means to actually have your own budget and do you choose your nikes or do you choose paying rent because they're both really expensive right now we have high school branches seven high school branches where we're not only in the high schools but we're running the physical branch there uh, we're creating internships. We currently have 23 employees that started as interns in the high school branches and now work for IQ. 1,400 members. I love this data warehouse. 1,400 members that open their accounts in the high school that are still acting as members of active members at IQ. And so, you know, we show up that way. We've got our own nonprofit that's all about giving money to children. Read with me, grants. I could go for hours on this, but everything we do is for the community and to help people manage their money better. This is a little bit of your checks and balances to your legacy, isn't it? I mean, it's not just a secondary initiative. It's not a secondary cultural thing. It really is upon which you were built. And it's interesting, my background, my second employer was called Women's Federal Savings Bank. It was established by two sisters that never got married who built an organization to serve the credit needs of women. And it's amazing how when an organization is started with a certain purpose, how you can keep that culture and, and do your checks and balances and say, are we living to our legacy? And so while the things you mentioned before this are really important, the reality is your legacy is about education and it continues to be strong. Is, is this commitment transferred to what you do for employees as well? Do you provide the same type of educational wellness solution education for employees as well? Boy, do we. And it, it seems to get better every year. I think there's an announcement coming out today about uh, new changes uh, to that benefits package for our employees. So I'll tell you a quick story and then I'll talk to you about all the cool things that we're doing. There's an employee that started at IQ as an intern in a campus branch. He loved the campus branch. He came and worked at actual branches during winter break and summer break. It's great for us, it's great for him. And then he joined IQ. During his time at IQ, we paid for him to go to college to get his degree in marketing. And uh, here we are, I don't know how many years later, he's now leads the campus branch and he's helping to create the future of that branch. And it all started with him as an intern. And so, we believe in education and we want to help support our employees through their degrees. We want to help for employees that have already received their degree. We want to help them pay back their student loans. You know, even if you look at our, our benefits package as an employee, the employer pays 100% of your insurance for you as well as for your children. Um, those, those are things that are easy to take for granted that are, that are a huge deal and show the commitment to families and the commitment to continued education. So I come to Seattle or I go to Portland and I'm just roaming the streets and I walk into a branch and mind you, I'm going to be thrown off by the fact that people aren't dressed the way I remember branch people being dressed. But overall, what will the feel be as I engage with a teller or with a branch manager? What will the first way, the things I'm going to feel as a member that's going to tell me, wow, this is different. You're going to feel very welcomed. And the way that we're building branches now and remodeling our branches are, it's not traditional teller row. They're built for interactions. They're not built for transactions. And so whether you're opening a new account or you are a longtime member, we'll go with your opening your new account. 
uh, Jim, since I don't think you've got an awesome intelligent checking account with us with 4% interest, it's pretty cool. It's going to be consultative. You know, yes, you're going to go through the process of learning about the fees and why we charge the fees, but it's going to be about who you are as Jim and what you're trying to achieve with your financial goals. You know, we've got this really cool CRM called Rick Relationship IQ, and it helps the employees walk through that entire onboarding process to help make sure that they understand who you are, what you want to achieve, and how they can help you achieve that. Once you leave a branch, you're not done with us. Now ticklers are going to happen to make sure that you're fully onboarded and you're going to have phone calls or emails to make sure that IQ is giving you everything that you need. If you come in as a current member, they're probably going to know your name and they're going to welcome you. And they're going to also understand who you've interacted with before, what goals you're trying to achieve. And while they're going to be performing a, a transaction, they're also going to be talking about how they can help you achieve those goals. And um, we've got great CDs right now, so they might talk to you about those also if it makes sense for you personally. So I get the feeling, and I'm pretty sure of this, that to support this ongoing cultural interaction, the ex these experiences as a, or um, engagements as opposed to just transactional experiences, it's really the foundation uh, is data. And that's part of the reason why we were brought to IQCU. How important is the data and analytics as a foundation for supporting your brand and your culture in an environment that doesn't include as many face-to-face walk-in-the-brands transactions. I mean, it, it, is that the only way that you can really build the knowledge of how the culture works in a more digital environment? I, I certainly think it's one of the, the key components because you're able to understand how the member is interacting with you you're able to understand what their needs are. So uh, when a member, let's say, um, so like I rarely go to a branch and I, I don't ever call into the call center. And it's very visible that I'm a, primarily, I'm digital Dave, I'm, I'm banking, I'm banking online. So our members are able to see through, or our staff are able to see through the CRM that this is an unusual interaction for me. And that that's going to mean that there's probably something that happened that, that's causing me to, to reach out and it needs to be handled with, with care. There's all sorts of really creepy things you can also do with the data, but really it's about how do we meet our members at the right time with the right solution for them. I believe members should only give us information once, only once, and we still have a ways to go, but loans are pre-filled, deposit accounts are pre-filled. We just need you to validate it. And that's for staff and for members. How long does it take to open up a new checking account? So I just opened new checking accounts for my children, which fun fact, your children don't have to be with you. So I don't recommend bringing three little kids to the branch. It took about 45 minutes to do that. If you're to do it online, it takes about three minutes. You're at that three minute level that that's the holy grail. In my mind, three minutes is what my duration of patience is when I'm working on my phone or anything else like that. But Virtually no institution is able to do that because what happens, and I'm, I'm getting the feeling that your culture kind of guides you in this process. Most institutions have a solution provider that says, I can provide it for you in three minutes. And then we do everything to unwind what that organization has done to make it possible by saying, oh, but but we want this, 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 this. And you go, well, you just kind of, you're, you're back to 12 minutes again because we don't accept the change that's happening. You know, as you're looking at IQCU, 
and you're trying to keep up with market changes and expectations of your end consumer, your members. What's on your radar in 2023 to improve upon what you're doing today? Fees are on everyone's radar. We will be making significant changes to our, our fees in 2023. We've put a very large dollar amount in budget for fee reduction. And we want to do it in a way that it focuses on mistakes that have happened for the member um, and that we're helping them learn when those mistakes happen. So I would say fees are, are the first thing they're front of mind. The second thing that I get way more excited about than fees is how we simplify banking. So Alchemy has made banking pretty easy for our members, but we can make it easier. It still takes three days to move money uh, from an external ACH. We can make that quicker. We just launched wires, uh, retail wires this week. We can do that better. You, know, you should be able to do a skip and pay. You know, we'll make that happen. Anything that you can do in the branch with the staff member within reason, we have to make available to our members through the digital branch. The not as fun stuff that's happening in the background is full modernization of of our code base for all of our custom software, moving it to Vue.js, moving it out to Azure with microservices, because those are purely reusable assets that we have to have to continue to innovate and to make bigger investments with uh, with new partners. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've written about it and I've talked about it a few times that that really the importance of a challenger mindset in the marketplace to not only have a challenger mindset that says, I'm going to challenge ourselves, but I'm also going to challenge the marketplace. And it's interesting because as I look at the foundation upon which IQC has been built and the education and wellness solutions and all that, you, know, you talk about reducing fees. I'm sure you also know that some of the value exchange you have allows you to potentially look at new revenue sources where, you know, we, we as an industry give away too much in, case, in places where we don't need to. But we do it because we don't do a real good job of defining how one member or customer differs from another. But as you're using data more and more, as you're, you're building educational profiles and, and helping consumers with their value exchange, your ability to then at some point potentially charge for that becomes greater. Uh, you know, when you get a great concierge at an airport or at a, at a hotel, or you get a, a person that really helps you through a process in any purchase decision, there's times you think to yourself, you know, I'd pay for that because there was a value exchange. You mentioned it earlier about the the combination of data and not looking creepy. Well, you look less creepy every day when the consumer knows you're in it with them as opposed to trying to take advantage of them. And I, I'll get back to your comment about growth where you said, yeah, you got to remember, we had a whole lot of PPP benefits coming to our members. Well, the reality is, but they didn't move them. You know, that's a big deal. So when you look at your culture, when you look at your commitment to innovation and for data and analytics, when you look at your back office, everything you're doing there, when you look at your leadership, what recommendations would you provide to other banks and credit unions as they attempt to build a better culture themselves and try to move forward in a in an environment that is, to say the least, highly competitive, but can where differentiation can be built? The first and most important would be be who you are. Set your culture because it's what you and what your leadership team and what your board truly believes in not not what the consumer says it should be they'll see right through that because you truly 
believe in that. And when your beliefs, they align with the members, whew, boy, will they invest in you and you can invest in them. The second thing, really easy to say, super difficult to do, banking simplification is paramount. And don't just simplify banking for your members and then duct tape a solution together on the back end. It's so important to start with your staff, start with your operations and make that experience seamless because then, whew, then you can make it easy for the member because you know, you know as a consumer when it's a difficult experience for that person standing in front of you. They might be smiling, but they're going through an error. Make banking easy. And then technology investment will not slow down. We're going into some earning headwinds. It's going to be an interesting 2023. And this is the time to double down on your investment. Pay your people well. Hire the right talent. Find the right partners. And boy, get those APIs everywhere because they make a difference. You know, it's interesting, Jordan, talking to you um, from the very beginning. It is very clear, unless you're a great actor, that you're having a blast, that you're having fun. And and it's because you're getting the the freedom to live the culture on a daily basis. It is why you left a very secure, long-term relationship in a previous organization to move to IQCU. Also, you know, it is very clear that you have picked partners that think the way you do, and not you as in Jordan, but you as in IQCU, and that that makes the whole journey easier and allows you to do things that speed and scale that would be unachievable if you had to do it yourself. In fact, you wouldn't be at the company today if you had to do it yourself. This has been a blast. I, I mentioned before the podcast that the visionary podcast that I've been interviewing people from across the country have been so exciting because it shows that size doesn't matter and that you can do amazing things as a small organization if you focus on leadership, culture, commitment, investment in technology, and finding great partners. Jordan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Jim. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening to the Visionaries Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to help elevate your digital game. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others within your organization or beyond and post it on social media or just leave a thumbs up and comment. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, most consumers are confused by the intricacies of digital banking. How does your bank or credit union help them achieve financial wellness? Thanks again. And we'll chat with you the next time on the Visionaries Podcast. 